Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In today's episode, Dr. Tom Coburn, former U.S. Senator and a Senior Advisor for Convention of States, speaks at the 2018 Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. No, I have to say thank you, thank you. Uh, it's great to be with you. I'm honored to be here. I'm a little bit sleep deprived uh, traveling the way I am. I want to thank you all for being patriots. Um, you know, the vast majority of Americans love our country. They want to get it fixed and they're, they're discouraged about where we are and what happens and what we continually to see in Washington. Um, America's at a divide, probably more of a divide than we've seen since the Civil War. And, it, and it's not just an economic divide. There's a philosophical divide. There's a geographical divide. There's an economic divide. Uh, and there's a political divide. And what I, my message to you all today is we can fix every problem in front of our country. But you have to do it. Because Washington will never do it. And all you have to do is know history. And that, in fact... History says all republics die. So my goal over the last two and a half years has been to figure out how do we cheat history. And you just heard a discussion about Article 5, uh, and I had a prepared speech, and I'm not going to spend the time on that because I want to spend some time allowing you all to ask some questions about Article 5. But I just met with Senator Fulmer, and he's agreed to move the bill through his committee. And so we will actually see... Uh, this come out of a committee this session. And why is it important? Because what we have seen, the divide we find ourselves, is reflective of the number one things that our founders talked about that they knew would kill us, and that's called factionalization. Factions. And politicians feeding factions. And you know, there's a principle in life it's based on faith that said one ought to reconcile. And you don't see that in Washington today. We don't see the idea that we can come together, meet in the middle and solve problems that are based on what's in the best interest of our country's future, not on what's in the best interest of our politicians. And we haven't seen that for quite some time. And it's time that we, as citizens of this country, grab hold of our liberty, grab hold of reform, and change and restore our Constitution to what it was intended to be. Remember, the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. government is a function of us as members of states. It doesn't exist without us. The Constitution was developed by us, for us. And if you read the enumerated powers... There's a very specific and limited role for the federal government. And so I want to talk with you about four things that I think are important for our republic. And then I want to talk to you about health care a little bit and education a little bit. Because one of my heroes is Thomas Jefferson. And as he was struggling to build the University of Virginia, Somebody came to him and said, well, why, you're a former president. Why don't you get Washington to help you? And he said, you don't understand the Constitution. 
For the federal government to be involved in education would require an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Except since 1976, we've spent $3 trillion of federal money directing and telling schools how to teach children with every parameter but six worse than what it was when the Department of Education started. So th there are consequences to ignoring the wisdom of our founder's direction. And so if you think about what are some of our problems with education today, other than just the local ones you know about, here's a problem. Less than 10% of millennials can name the three branches of the federal government. Less than 4% of the universities in the United States of America require a course in Western civilization. Well, if you don't know history, it would explain why 53% of millennials embrace socialism and communism over the free enterprise capitalistic system because they don't know anything about history. They don't know that 170 million people lost their lives over the last 100 years through socialism and communism but yet they embrace it. So we have lost control of education and the way we did it is because the federal government got involved in it. So we have an obligation to restore our country. And I left the U.S. Senate early, two years early, and I left it knowing that we will not fix our problems under the system that we have today. It requires us to fix it. It requires the states to fix it. When we passed the 17th Amendment and gave up the power to control the U.S. Senate by the states, we lost control of Washington. And since that time, what has happened is we've seen a degradation in the respect for the vision and words of our founders. And we've lost, very early on, starting in 1921, 1931, with the Filburn case, the courts gave the federal government the right to tell the states to do almost anything. So, for example, while I was a U.S. Senator, I asked our highway department to run a highway. They were going to be building this highway. I said, "Whatever, if you're building another similar highway, I want you to use one only on state funds and one only with federal funds. Let's see what the difference in costs are when you start paying attention to what the U.S. Department of Transportation is building exactly the same highway now, folks. The difference is 50% more if you use federal highway dollars. So, so here's my question to those that don't want to fix our country. Is what's your solution? How will you fix our country? And here's why it's important. There's 85 million millennials. The average net worth of the average millennials is minus $3,700. A third of them have a college degree that they can't get a job with because it's in either basket weaving or uh, ancient Indian art. So they can't, they can't, they're not employable. And yet, here's the moral question. Is it fair to steal the future of our children? Because that's what's happening today. Just some short numbers. There's 85 million millennials. Over the next 50 years, they will either through one of three ways have to come up with $33,000 a year extra besides their living expenses. That's what $144 trillion in unfunded liabilities and debt, which is coming due the next 50 years, is going to bring to them. So ask yourself, is it right to steal the future of these children and our grandchildren? It is a moral question for us today.
How is it that the Congress can pass a spending bill and not read it? and spend $1.3 trillion, $300 billion more than they spent in the same period last year, and not know what's in the bill. And mortgage further our children's future. It's fixable, but it's not fixable unless we go back and restore our Constitution. And restoring it means having a respect for the money that we send up there and making sure that it's spent properly. Do you realize you don't get real numbers from Washington? I'll give you an example. At the end of 2016, the federal government said its deficit was $460 billion. The debt increased $1.7 trillion, and the unfunded liabilities grew $6.8 trillion. Now, anybody that has any accounting or any business sense knows that is not possible for those things to happen to have only a deficit of that type. So the fact is, is we can't trust the numbers that are coming from them because what they are is politically expedient numbers. And what we have to do is we have to make the difference. You have to make the difference. Our problems are not insolvable. The number one group opposing what we're trying to do to fix our country is fear. Our country was built on courage. It was built on visionary leadership that said, how do we come together and solve the problems in front of us for all of us with nobody getting a special advantage? So Convention of States, is that's what that's about. It's about us taking control as individual citizens, passing it through the state legislators, legislatures and calling an amendments convention to do the three simple things. Cause them to be fiscally responsible. In other words, use generally accepted accounting principles and force a balanced budget on them. You know, the problem, I spent 16 years around politicians in Washington. They don't want to make hard choices. And even the fraud, waste, and abuse, which is $400 billion a year, has a constituency. Right? So they don't want to touch that either. And that's when I ultimately decided to leave. Because they all agreed it was there. But they didn't want to pass anything to get rid of it. So we can fix this. The second thing is limiting the scope of jurisdiction. All that means is re-embracing the enumerated powers as our founders intended. And reversing a couple of court decisions that allowed an unelected federal bureaucrat to tell you how you're going to build your highways how you're going to manage your environment, how you're going to manage your force, and how you're going to do everything else that you don't get to decide to do with your own money that you're raising in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So I want to leave you with a story, and then I'll take any questions that you might have about what we're trying to do. The story's about a little girl named Katie. And Katie was a four-year-old little feisty little girl, and her dad was babysitting one night, brushed her teeth, gave her a drink of water, put her in bed. And about five minutes later, Katie said, Daddy, I want a drink of water. And he said, Huh? You just had a drink of water. I'm going to go to sleep. About five minutes later, Katie said, Daddy, I want a drink of water. Honey, uh, we've already had this discussion. You had a drink of water. We brushed your teeth. And I want you to go to sleep. If you don't, I'm going to have to come in and discipline you. And Oklahoma, when I tell the story, I say spank. You know, it's okay to say spank in Oklahoma. Uh, about 10 minutes goes by and Katie says, Daddy, 
when you come to spank me, would you bring me a drink of water? Well, there's three main points to Katie. Katie knew what she wanted. Right? Katie persevered. And number three, Katie was willing to pay the price. We have to pay the price to save our country because our elected politicians aren't going to do it. And if we don't do it, the legacy we leave our kids is a, a legacy of debtors' prison. So if you've ever read Dickens, and think about the little boys pictured, running around, dirty face, dirty fingernails, hair all alone, lice in their head, trying to find breakfast, trying to find something. That's, what you're, that's what's coming. No country in the history of 800 years of economics has ever survived the level of debt this country has today. Total debt. It's never happened. It's time we make sure it, we're not setting the example. We need to fix that. And we can. So, but it's not our politicians that have to do it. It's you that have to do it. So it's important for you to become active. Not just here today. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But to your friends, to your people at church, to the people you work with, you need to get them involved to solve our country. Otherwise, we're going to wake up and say, what happened? And that's what's happened to every other republic. They woke up and said, what happened? And I'm calling in the wilderness and saying, let's fix it. Let's do it now. And let's have us, American citizens, who care about our kids, care about our futures, care about our communities, solve the problems that are going on in Washington. And it's not hard. It just requires persistence, and it requires sacrifice, and let's do it. Okay? Questions? Have I read Mitch McConnell's book, The Long Game? Does it explain why he's such a squish? He's a, he's a career politician. It's not about us. It's about the Republicans or the Senate. But it's not about us. How does one make a rational case for compromise in a city where compromise is already created? No, compromise. Look, they did it together. And it's because nobody's holding them accountable. Because they've gerrymandered the Constitution to do what they want to do. We can change that. We don't have to take that. I'm not talking about compromising principles. I'm talking about in, empowering us with the principles of our founders and using that to get a better result for our kids. How can we once for all restore the inalienable rights of life to the unborn? Sure. Well, look, it, 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 again, the moral question, is it right to steal from your kids? Is it right to take unborn life and destroy it? Is, is it right to, to do euthanasia to people who don't necessarily want it? That's happening all the time in Holland today. Um, is it right to destroy a life? Do you, know, do you realize we're all handicapped? Some of us, you can see it. Most of us, you can't. So we have selectively decided who has value and who does not. 
Look, this next question is about Common Core. You know what's happened to it? And I heard it spoke here today already. Education ought to be about you controlling education, not federal government. There's no role. There's no role for the federal government in education whatsoever. And all you have to do is look at the $3 trillion we've spent since 1976 and look at the disaster. And we're not talking civil rights stuff here. We're talking about the incompetence of the bureaucracy in Washington, of who most of them are never been teachers, never will be teachers, but they're telling our teachers what they'll do. And then loading them up with paperwork so that they have to perform. Education is a local and state issue, and the only way we improve it is do what we need to do for it and for healthcare. And that's create a marketplace of ideas with transparent pricing. And once you have transparent pricing, do you realize that one in three dollars spent in healthcare doesn't help anybody? And the way to get rid of that is make sure everybody has their net prices out there so you can see it when you purchase it. Healthcare costs in America would drop $1.4 trillion next year if pricing was available to you. Average deductible is $7,900 per family right now. So if you could see the price, and we're seeing this happen all over the country right now because there's starting to be some pressure for the Adam Smith philosophy that people will actually make a great decision because it's in their interest. And so states that have certificate of need are going to lose out to the states that don't. You don't meet in the middle with socialists, period. Uh, here's a question on nullification. It's a great question. Uh, where it's been calculated to actually restore our rights under the enumerated powers would take 35 years using nullification. Plus, each state would be bankrupted because the federal government has more lawyers than we do. So although nullification is a great idea if we could do it, we can't fiscally do it and we can't financially do it. Pennsylvania has a balanced budget requirement. It sure does. Oklahoma does too. Guess what? They cheat every year. That's why just a balanced budget won't fix our country. A balanced budget with general accepted accounting principles plus a re restoration of what the role of the federal government is. Four things required for a republic to survive. Limited government. We don't have that. Respect for the rule of law. We're losing it. Number three, Economic freedom. We are now number 17th in the world after being number one for 200 years. Economic freedom is a measure of how easy it is to start and expand a business. And finally, number four, virtue. Virtue comes from families and comes from education. When we can't control our education, we can't control the virtue of our children. And I'm, oh, I've got four minutes and 37 seconds left. Um, Well, here's a question. Given that our present representatives and senators aren't constrained by the Constitution, why will more amendments change that? Well, in fact, the U.S. Constitution now weighs 80 pounds. How many of you all know that? Yeah. If you print out the annotated Constitution, it sets about this high and weighs about 80 pounds, and that's small type single-spaced, 
both sides. What I would tell you is most of them follow the Constitution, but they don't follow the rules of the Senate and they don't have a thimble full of common sense. And so therefore we get what we've gotten. We can change that. You can change that. that my message to you is today of one of hope. The other is, is we have to. You know why? My grandchildren are worth it. I get on airplanes and I specifically try to sit to, next to people that are my age or older. And here's the question I ask them. If you knew that your grandchild was going to have to come up with $30,000 more a year over the next 50 years, would you give up some of your Medicare and Social Security? I have never had any. They don't know I'm a U.S. senator. They don't know I'm working on convention. I've never had anybody tell me no. Americans are willing to sacrifice for a great cause. A great cause is our grandchildren. A great cause is liberty. A great cause is freedom. A great cause is working for the betterment of our society. And we do that best when we do that together as citizens. I don't care what the political class thinks. What I care is what we do together that actually brings us forward and benefits us all. So I'll, I'll end telling you. A couple more questions for you. Okay. All right. And uh, first one is, what do we do to restore the Constitution? How do we do it? Well, the way you restore the Constitution is with an Article 5 Amendments Convention. Yep. And we have three planks, and the three planks that have been most abused is what we're addressing. And it's time to take out federal judges when they start creating all sorts of new things within the Constitution. And, and, and so what we do is we limit their terms. We got a question from someone who said, uh, how can we be sure that the leftists won't become stealth and uh, hijack such a convention? Say that again. How can we be sure that leftists won't become stealth and use stealth methods to hijack such a convention? Well, they can't hijack the convention. Let me tell you why. Think about Pennsylvania. Who did who'd Pennsylvania vote for in the presidential election? <laughs> oh, well, how, how'd that happen? People. People change things. People were tired. People were ready. How do you hike out? First of all, there's a rule. rule conventions are run by rules, just like your legislature is. And they use Mason's rules or Robert's rules. If somebody offers an amendment that's outside the application that we've made, only three areas that you can offer an amendment in, if it's outside of it, all one person has to stand up and say, I make a point of order that's outside the application. It's gone. It's not debatable. It's not votable. It's gone. Parliamentarian rules that it's outside of it, it's gone. So who, who's going to elect the parliamentarian? Well, I would tell you right now there's 34 supposedly red states in this country. If there's still 34 red states, you're going to get a parliamentarian that cares about what the future is and what the real constitution should be and what it was. So that's, it's not going to get hijacked. They're going to get voted down at every turn and they're going to scream and holler and say everything's going to fall apart. Let me tell you something. Everything's falling apart right now. We're talking about building it back. We're about putting our country back together. And you're going to be the people that do it. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.